0: our sermon text from our gospel, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now the elephant in the room today, which looms large in the hearts and minds Of all the faithful, is this. What's going to happen for little Silas, who is now a baptized child of God? And what's going to happen next for these catechumens who will confess the faith and be given to receive the Lord's Supper today? What happens to them? Are they going to stick around? Are they going to take the vows seriously that they make this day? Or, if the statistics are true, will he be another one of the 50% of the baptized who abandon the church before they even are confirmed in the faith? Or, one of the 50% of the catechumens who abandon the Christian confession of faith as they grow into adulthood? The fear, anxiety, and worry are palpable, as I drove in this morning, perhaps lingering like a thick fog. So I've been charged today to tell the Comfortmans how serious this day is and what your oath requires. Charged by nervous parents who just don't know what's going to happen as you go off to high school and College, maybe, or adulthood, by devastated grandparents who have already seen children and grandchildren walk away from the church and from the faith. They have seen countless numbers make the good confession of faith publicly, vow to never abandon this confession until they die, only then to walk and never come back. So they're worried. They're scared. And they don't know what more they could do. So here's the God's honest truth. Catechumens, your being confirmed, that's not going to do it. Parents, godparents, even sponsors, your efforts, your well wishes, even your charge to be most forceful today in holding the confirmands accountable, that's not going to do it either. Why? Consider, look at the disciples in our gospel today. They're panicked. They are worried. Jesus' own words have haunted them. He's leaving. And that's it. Even the promise of the comforter has them confused. And it isn't all that promising to them. What's lacking? Why has sorrow filled their hearts? Or why are your pastor and your parents and your grandparents and your sponsors so terrified about today? Why do so many of those who are gone, who once confessed their faith in God the Holy Trinity, promised to be faithful, vowed to forsake all, even, their life for this Christian faith? It's the same reason. It's the same truth in all cases. Unbelief. That's it. Unbelief. In other words, it's our own fault. We just don't believe, refuse to believe, or later choose the way of unbelief. That's what sin is, that's what sin does. It makes us stupid, metaphorically blind, deaf, or dumb to what God is and what he has done for us. We disbelieve. We refuse to see the providential goodness of the Father every day. We deny the forgiveness of sins that was purchased and won by his Son, Jesus Christ, for all. And the Spirit... Well, what's he all about anyway? A little dove from heaven, a little breeze that blows when and where he wills, or in a few weeks, tongues of fire that have only shown up on that one day in history. No, the Spirit is far more than that. And his work is exactly what we need this day and every day. The Spirit that proceeds from the Father and the Son is exactly what's needed for this day, for every day, for the future of this Christian church, for your Christian faith. And more than that, God the Holy Spirit is the only one who can keep any of the promises that you make today. He's the only one that can keep you in the faith he's the only one who can keep his church to be the bringer of good news to men he must breathe his forgiving word that is the word of jesus on his broken church for you to have a future in this christian congregation and his breathing works he takes what is the fathers and the sons and he gives them to you he gives light Into the darkness of your life. He creates life where there was once only death for you. He forgives you, even when you think you are unforgivable. The Spirit is the paraclete. Remember? We learned that word. It's translated as comforter or advocate or the helper. And notice the Spirit is not a comforter, not an advocate, or not just another helper. No, he's the one and the only one that gives you today what you're desperately hoping for. That little Silas will remain in his baptism all the days of his life. That these catechumens will stay faithful today, tomorrow, and until the last day. And that you, too, won't lose your faith when suffering or shame or loss or tragedy comes your way. He does it. And how does the Spirit then do what you cannot do for yourselves? How is the Spirit faithful even when you are unfaithful? Jesus tells you today. First, he convicts the world of sin. He does what he's already been doing in his preaching to you. He exposes your doubts and worries and anxiety that's in your heart for what it is. Unbelief. He exposes it to heal it. He reveals it to deal with it. He brings to light what lay in the dark recesses of your soul even allows your unbelief to convict you to accuse you to damn you so that all you can do is cry out lord save me forgive me have mercy on me now that's now the spirit has you right where he wants you that's right where he wants you but this is also where the church has failed often. Because we let our final word be that word of accusation, judgment, or condemnation. Thou shalt not stop it or get out. That's the only word too many hear. And hearing only that word, they leave. They keep everything and forsake Jesus. Left to themselves alone and terrified, they still seek help in whatever can mute their pain. Whatever their flesh says will do the job. But the Spirit doesn't leave you there. No, He is and always is about, second part, righteousness, namely the righteousness of Christ Jesus. That conviction of sin is preliminary to prepare you for the main thing righteousness. That's what we're all about. This is that righteousness that Jesus died for you. He rightly fulfills the demands of his Father's will, he rightly suffered and died and bled for you in your place. He rightly rose from the dead, having overcome your sin, your death, and your hell. And he rightly ascended to the right hand of the Father with all dominions under his feet, even the dominion of your heart. And having done all this, the third part, this world and the ruler of this world is judged. The devil is defeated. Your sin is forgiven. Death is but a quiet, resting place in peace. It's finished. It's done. It's over. It's completed for you. Over and over and over, he speaks this cross of Calvary, blood-bought forgiveness, good news to you. And why? Because it's the only thing that can answer to the elephant in the room. It's the hope of ages past and the hope for the years to come. The Spirit's powerful, living, breathing proclamation that your sins are forgiven that's the word that makes this day worth it. Who called you into this Christian faith? The Spirit, who points you to Jesus. Who gathered you into this Christian congregation? The Spirit, through preaching your sins, are forgiven. Who has opened your eyes to see Jesus as the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end of sin, death, and hell? Yes, it's the Spirit working through your baptism, through holy absolution, through his holy supper. And here's the thing. Who has promised to keep you with Jesus until the day you die? You got it. It's the... Can you say it? Say it. Who promises to keep you in the faith until the day you die? The Spirit. Thank you. We had examination on Wednesday. It was rough. So... As parents and grandparents and congregation has instructed me to give a charge to you today, let this be my charge, or rather prayer for you today, really for everyone. God, the Holy Spirit, give to you, sustain you, keep you, and preserve you with Jesus Christ this day and your days, just as he has promised. In Jesus' holy name. Amen.